I'll try that again. Good morning, Northlands. <laughs> I'm excited to share with you this morning because the Lord gave me, I believe, this revelation a couple of months ago, <clears throat> and I feel like there's, some, there's, a, there's an agenda this morning for freedom. So I wanted to start this morning by reminding us of an enemy. And I'm going to address what I believe is a great enemy to God's people. Thinking, where is she going with this? Just hang, hang in with there. But, but undealt with, this morning's subject is something that paralyzes us and steals our joy. And I know this from personal experience. What I'm gonna to talk to us about this morning is a vicious foe. And this foe masquerades as supreme spirituality. But much more powerful, this is the good news, there's good news here, much more powerful than this. We're gonna talk about this glorious freedom that Jesus paid for. God's agenda this morning is freedom. His agenda is always freedom. And so, as long as I'm, much as I'm gonna remind you of this enemy, I also wanna tell you the truth. This enemy is a religious spirit. And this spirit stands in direct opposition to the spirit of freedom that Jesus paid for. So I've entitled my message, Beware, because this is something that we need to be very aware of. So would you just pray with me? Father, I thank you that it is for freedom that you set us free. And Lord, I know that there is such an agenda on your heart for your people this morning. Lord, it is true, you have no equal. And your name is the name above every other name. And Lord, my, I pray that this morning when we leave, we would have such a larger picture of what you've called us to, of the freedom that you paid for, in Jesus' name. So we're gonna jump into Galatians 5.1. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. The Passion Translation says, at last we have freedom, for Christ has set us free. We must cherish this truth and firmly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past, which means there is a way that we can go back into, into bondage. This scripture gives us something to do, and it also tells us what Jesus did. What did he do? He paid with his life for our freedom. And then he says to us, I need you to stand firm and don't go back into the bondage of your past. In my, in my own life, for a number of years after I got saved and accepted Jesus as my savior, I loved him with all my heart. I wanted him to be so pleased with me. I was not yet walking in this, in this freedom that Jesus paid for because I still believed that I had to work hard for his approval. It wasn't about me not loving him or wanting to serve him, but I had this mindset that I, if I did really well, he would be really happy with me. And I wanted him to be happy with me. And I felt prey 
to accusation from the enemy. I fell prey to not, never feeling quite good enough, never feeling like I was quite making the mark. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I felt like my weaknesses were always being pointed out. And I felt guilty for days when I messed up. And, and I didn't realize at the time, I hadn't yet identified that this was a religious spirit that was coming against me in the guise of sounding very spiritual. If you just do more for God, he's gonna be so pleased with you. I know he's given us good works to do, but he approves of me if I never do another thing because he loves me that much. Let's go to Matthew 16. Jesus said to them, be careful and be on your guard against the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. He says, how do you fail to understand? I'm not talking to you about bread. He wasn't talking to them about that in that moment about physical bread. He says it again a few verses later in the same chapter. Be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they discerned. He did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teachings of the Sadducees and Pharisees. He was saying to them, be careful of these teachings. So in our, in our first scripture where we started today, in Galatians, Paul says to the Galatians, stand firm, refuse to go back into the bondage of your past. In other words, stay in position, hold your position of freedom. And then in Matthew 6, he tells, 16, he tells his disciples twice in one passage to be on their guard. What is he saying here? He's saying, beware of these teachings. To say it twice means it was really important. It was very definitive. He's saying to them, I want you to be very cautious and alert to the dangers of what they're teaching. These were the religious leaders of the day. And Jesus comes and he says, what they're teaching you is dangerous. So I want to take us through some stories in the Gospels to, to really prove this point. I want us to see right here in Scripture how this religious spirit is in direct opposition to the Spirit of Christ, to the freedom that Jesus paid for. Sadly, we can live as believers. When we, when we die, we're going to heaven. We have eternal life but we can live under the weight of this religious spirit if we don't recognize it as such. And this morning, it's coming off. We, it's not something we tolerate in this house, and we need to be aware of it. So number one, Jesus forgives, but the religious spirit condemns. In Mark two, we have the story of the paralyzed man. His friends are bringing him to Jesus. There's lots of people, so they lower him through the roof, and he's placed on a mat in front of Jesus. He's been brought here to be healed. They recognize that this man can heal. And it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven you. The sense of guilt removed, and you are made upright and in right standing with God. It's the Amplified Multiple Choice Version, I love it. <laughs> it says everything that I wanted to say. It's fascinating for me that the very first thing he says to this man is, your sins are forgiven. Your guilt is removed. Let's have a look at the reaction of the religious leaders. Some of the scribes were sitting there holding dialogue with themselves as they questioned in their hearts, why does this man talk like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins? Who can remove guilt 
and bestow righteousness except, righteousness except God alone. What are they saying? Amongst them, they're like, how dare he forgive this man's sins? Who does Jesus think he is? And then in verse 11, Jesus commands the man to pick up his mat and go home. I tell you, get up, pick up your mat, take up your mat and go home. He got up, took up his mat, and walked out in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we've never seen anything like this. You see, even the most religious spirit cannot deny the power of God. That's why we need to see the power of God. That's why we love testimonies in this house. We need to see his power. One of the things that a religious spirit does, it wants to keep us paralyzed in our sin. It wants to keep us paralyzed in guilt. It wants to keep us paralyzed under condemnation. But it is for freedom that Jesus set us free from this. That's why Paul says, stand firm. Hold up your position. Don't go back into a place of spiritual paralysis. See, there's a, there's a position of freedom for you and for me. The picture I had was kind of like a name place at a table. There's your name and then there's freedom. It is a place of freedom for each and every one of us when we come to Jesus. What, what I see happening in the story was, a, was really a physical manifestation of what happened to this man spiritually. See, he was no longer paralyzed by sin. He was delivered from guilt, and now he could move forward in everything that God had for him. And I felt like when I was preparing this message, I really feel like for some people here this morning, whether you're here or whether you're listening online with us, I feel like the Lord's word to you is, your sins are forgiven. It is time to walk again. Number two, Jesus loves. The religious spirit looks down on other people. A little bit further on in, in Mark 2, we find Jesus and he's, he's eating at a table in Levi's house. And it says many tax collectors were there and it says in the Amplified Bible, they were definitely stained with sin. There were many who walked the same road as him and the scribes belonging to the party of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with those known to be especially wicked, these people had a reputation in their town of being especially wicked people. And Jesus chooses to have a meal with them. He's just, I just love him. He's just like, here he is sitting with these beautiful people. And he says to his disciples, this is what they say to his disciples, why does he eat and drink with tax collectors and notorious sinners? See, a religious spirit is self-righteous. It's one of the ways you can identify that in, we're not, to, our enemy is never a person. Let me just put that clearly. We're fighting against, not against flesh and blood, but we do need to recognize demonic spirits that try and keep us in a place when Jesus said, I paid for your freedom. A religious spirit will look down on other people, always concerned with who I'm being seen with, how I'm being seen, how I'm presenting. What, what are they saying? Like, why, why is he hanging out with these people? Why is Jesus eating with these people that are known to be especially wicked? Doesn't he know they're, they're really not his type? Someone needs to tell him. 
they, they're perplexed. Like, why, why, why would he sit with, he's just performed a miracle, and now he's sitting with, with these people? Jesus warns us against the spirit. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. See, he's, in a way, he's honoring what's honorable. They were teachers of the law. And then he says, you hypocrites. There's not a lot of people that I've said that to. I don't think there's anybody that I've actually said that to. But, but he's this gentle Jesus, meek and mild, and he is meek, turns around to these religious leaders and says, you hypocrites, you are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. That's what Jesus says to them. See, under the old covenant, if you, if you touched a leper, you were isolated and you were considered unclean. In the new covenant, Jesus lays hands on the lepers. He lays hands on the sick and they become clean. See, he was not afraid of sick people. He wasn't afraid of sinners. He was not afraid of those that the Pharisees considered unclean because Jesus loved people and he was not concerned about who he was seen with. He, he was completely unperplexed about being seen with the notorious sinners because they were the very ones he came to save. In fact, the scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Do you know that he loved you and me in our absolute worst state? If you are in your absolute worst state, even here this morning, he loves you because he always sees beyond our stuff. I'm so thankful. Beyond our worst moment, when the, that moment when you said all the things you wish you'd never said or did, he loves you because he never takes his eye off of the treasure that's in us. You see, he made a way for our freedom. That's the spirit of Christ. He's always about our freedom. He's always motivated by the deepest love that you and I will ever know. He looks beyond our stuff to who he created us to be. And so we don't have to wait until we have it all together because we're never gonna have it all together. This is today, right now we can draw near. There is a seat at the table for each one of us. Number three, Jesus heals. The religious spirit always want, wants to hide what's not whole. In Mark 3, we find Jesus going into the synagogue. It's a story of the man with the withered hand or the, the shriveled hand. And interesting enough, the, the Pharisees are here waiting to accuse him. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. Do you see that spirit of accusation again? So they watched him closely to see. I wonder if he's gonna heal today. He knows it's the Sabbath. He must know it's the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. He didn't say, let's go behind the building so nobody knows, but I'm gonna heal you. He said, no, come and stand in front of all the religious leaders that are watching. And then he asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? And they remained silent. Then it says he looked around them, he looked at them in anger. He's looking in anger at the very people that he's gonna die for. 
It's not that he doesn't love them, but he recognizes that spirit. And it says he was deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And then he turns to the man with the withered hand and he says, stretch out your hand. And his hand was completely restored. So here's this man trying to hide something that's broken. And he says, stretch it out in front of all these religious leaders. And his hand is completely made whole again. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. They've just seen a miracle and now they wanna kill him. In the story, I love, I love his boldness and I love his lack of tolerance towards the traditions of men. Now let me just say, some traditions are great. We have some great family traditions. We all have traditions, I'm not anti-traditions, but let me just tell you that any tradition that stops you from experiencing the freedom that is an obstacle to the freedom that Jesus paid for, that tradition has to go. That tradition's not okay. And in the story, what does he do? He overrides the culture of the day because he loves people more. He loved this man and he says to the man, bring, come forward, bring into the light what is broken and let me heal you. See, a religious spirit wants us to hide what's not whole. Let's pretend everything's fine. And sometimes we pretend everything's fine because, because we're ashamed. Sometimes we pretend everything's fine because we so want people to approve of us. That's just real. But it, it doesn't want you whole and healed. It wants to keep sin hidden. It wants to keep people in bondage. It will try and make us cover up what's not good. But Jesus says, bring, bring this place of brokenness into the light. This was not to embarrass the man. This was to heal him, but I also think it was to show the Pharisees this man's worth. He was, he was worth being healed on the Sabbath. This one person was worth overriding the tradition of the day. See, the love of God in us will stir us to actions that will offend a religious spirit. The love of God in us will stir us to actions that are going, that's going to offend the religious spirit. Because, you see, the power of sin is often in its secrecy. And once it's exposed, it loses its power because now the enemy can no longer pull the, if only they knew card, you see, now we can say, yeah, they do know, and he knows, and they're walking me with me to freedom. That's the beauty of his amazing grace. Now we walk with one another to a place of, of wholeness. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will nudge us to ask for help. Maybe ask for prayer. And here's the reality. For most of us, it feels a little less painful not to ask. It's a little easier not to say, man, I'm, I'm really struggling. Sometimes it's easier to hide an addiction or hide a weakness because we have this idea that what will they think if they know? I wanna say every time the Lord nudges us to receive help or come to him and say, Father, this is my struggle, because there's not one of us sitting in the room here that hasn't had struggles or it doesn't have struggles right now. It is going to, it is going to happen 
But every time he nudges us towards getting, receiving help or saying, just, just bring it to me, it's always because he loves us. It's always because he's saying, I want you to come and stand firm in this place of freedom because I love you that much. Number four, Jesus is humble. The religious spirit demands honor. Let's have a look at what the scripture says in Luke 11, 43. Jesus says, woe to you Pharisees because you love the most important seats in the synagogue and respectful greetings in the marketplace. One of the versions says, you love it when people bow down to you in the marketplace. And let me just say, honor is important. Honoring what's honorable is biblical. The scripture says, honor your father and mother so that it will go well with you. Honor your leaders. But demanding honor, because I'm so important, is never okay. We never, we do not demand honor. We do not but demand people to bow down to us. That is not from the Lord. That a religious spirit causes that to happen in some environments, and it never brings freedom. Proverbs 15.33 says, wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord, and humility comes before honor. See, there's, again, there's no humility when we demand honor. Jesus sits in the greatest seat of honor. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And then he humbles himself, and he comes to us in the form of a baby, and he's born in a simple stable, and then he dies a sinner's death because he was motivated by his love for humanity and our need for a savior. He knew that he was the only one that could invite us to this table and set us free. And he says, okay, I'll go. This is, for me, the most magnificent example of humility coming before honor. Listen to Philippians 2. He stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity. He had rightful dignity. He's the king of kings. So as to assume the guise of a servant, and he became like men and was born a human being. And after he appeared in human form, he humbled himself still further, carried his obedience to the extreme death of the cross. Therefore, because he stooped so low, he stooped so low, God highly exalted him and gave him the name above every other name, the name to which we will all bow. Yeah. What a magnificent example of humility. The king of kings was born in a stable, dies the most excruciating, embarrassing, humiliating death that anybody could ever, ever die dies a sinner's death when he had no sin because he loved us that much. You don't, can't stoop much lower than that. He chose to strip himself of all dignity and then he was raised up. He never demanded honor, but he was honored and given the name above every other name. Number five, Jesus lightens our load, but the religious spirit weighs us down with heavy burdens. In Luke 11, Jesus says, and you experts of the law, woe to you, because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry. 
and you yourselves will lift not a finger to help them. See, one of the characteristics of, of a religious spirit is a sense of being just weighed down, being sin conscious all the time. I just wanna say, we are not sinners saved by grace. Please don't leave. <laughs> we were sinners, and then we were saved by grace. I'm not saying we will never sin again, but my identity is not a sinner saved by grace. My identity is a son or a daughter of the King of Kings. Amen, yeah, yeah. A religious spirit will always make us sin conscious. We're always conscious, always checking the list. What I'm not doing right, always feel like I'm messing up, never meeting the standard, I'm not doing enough, I'm not quite as spiritual as them, I can never pray in, in, when I'm in a prayer meeting because I don't know what to pray. That is not the spirit of freedom. Yeah. Matthew 11, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Some of you here this morning just need rest for your souls, and he's here to give that. He's here to take some heavy weight off of you and give you rest for your soul, because he's that good. <clears throat> the Spirit of the Lord lightens our loads, and he comes and he takes condemnation off of us. And now we get to walk in this revelation that our sins are forgiven and we are fully loved and fully accepted and highly favored. When we come out from under condemnation, you know what happens? We are now empowered to not go back into bondage. We are empowered to not sin. One of my favorite stories, I keep saying that over many stories, there's so many amazing stories in scripture, but one of my favorite stories is the woman who's caught in adultery. She's brought to Jesus, almost probably thrown at his feet, by her accusers, they're all there ready to stone her. And Jesus says to them, if, you've, if you have not sinned, you can cast the first stone. Of course, nobody can. Jesus is not unaware that she's been caught in adultery. It's pretty obvious in that moment. But you know what he says to her? He says, I do not condemn you. I mean, what balm to this woman? I do not condemn you. Now go and sin no more. You see, the first thing he does is he takes condemnation off of her. And then he says, now you can walk in freedom. As we bring this to a close, in Mark 3, he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. What is Jesus doing here? He's sending his disciples out with a different spirit. He's sending them out to set people free and to deliver them from bondage. Ezekiel 13, 20 says, I will set free the people that you ensnare like birds. I will set free the people that you ensnare like birds. In Luke 4:18, the Spirit of the Lord is on me 
because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He always is here to proclaim good news. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free. Can you see how opposite the spirit of Jesus is to a religious spirit? See, the religious spirit wants to keep us ensnared. It wants to keep us captive and imprisoned to our past failures. It's what it does. But the spirit of the Lord sets us free to run. It sets us free to see him accurately. And it sets us free to see who we are as well. Because under the spirit of freedom, our identity in Jesus is restored. And now we can sit comfortably in that seat of freedom. The agenda of the Holy Spirit this morning is freedom. Maybe you're here today and, and you have been in a place where you felt paralyzed by fear or guilt because that religious spirit, which masquerades as very spiritual, has tried to keep you focused on all the things that you're not getting right. Maybe there's hidden brokenness in your life and on the outside, everything looks fine, but there's, there's pain and there's hurt on the inside. Or maybe there's a withered belief of who you really are and the Lord wants to heal that today. He says, bring that to me. I wanna make that, that place that's broken whole. Because in Jesus, we are whole. But there's an invitation to walk in that wholeness that, we've, that he's paid for. Maybe there's been a weight of, of condemnation on you. We know that there's no condemnation for us in Christ, but we need to get a revelation of that so that we come out from under that. And I believe for some people here this morning, the Lord's word to you is, just as he said to the woman that was caught in adultery, just as he said to the man who was lying on the mat, there is no condemnation for you. There is no condemnation for you. It is a lie. Go now and sin no more. Pick up your mat and move forward in the freedom that is yours. See, whatever has held you captive, the Spirit of the Lord speaks a word of freedom over you today. Because He cannot speak any other word. I wanna say, maybe, maybe you've been hurt by those who have demanded honor from you. This is a very real place of wounding for many. They're leadership wounds. Now, there are no perfect leaders. But if you've been in a place where, where things have been demanded of you and there's been unrealistic expectation and it sounded very spiritual and you felt, well, that's what you should be doing, I wanna say, do not let that spirit isolate you from the body of Christ. Don't let it isolate you for all that God has for you. I wanna say that today what the enemy is trying to steal from you ends. It ends today. And today the Lord says to you, pick up your mat and walk again. There's an invitation 
to stand in that freedom. I want you to, you know, maybe, I really felt like there's people that have just felt stuck. You've just felt stuck. And he's there and you're lying in front of Jesus and he says, come on, it's time to pick that up now and move forward and walk in the freedom that's yours because he's not holding you back. So I'm gonna pray for us. And you, you, if any of that relates to you, you are welcome to stand and we'll have people come pray for you. Or you may sit, whatever's comfortable for you, but I feel like there is a moment here where God is saying, I will not have my people ensnared another minute. Let's pick up our mats and let's walk again. Let's move forward. We are not called to sit in a place of paralysis. And whether you get up or don't, he still loves you. There's no condemnation, but he's got things for us. So would you stand with me? Father, we thank you that it is for freedom that you have set us free. And Father, we bring those places to you, Lord, those places that have held us, kept us stuck. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that as we stand here in front of you, your word to us is there is no condemnation for you. Your sins are forgiven. Now pick up your mat and walk. Pick up your mat and walk. Father, we choose to, to walk and find our place of freedom, to stand, Lord, in the place that you paid for at the highest price. And Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, I release your people from the traps that the religious spirit has set. I come against this religious spirit in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you and I take you off of the people of God. And Father, we walk now. We thank you, Lord. We receive the freedom that you paid for. We thank you, Lord, that you humbled yourself. You stooped so very low. You stripped yourself of all rightful dignity so that today we can walk in the freedom that is ours in Jesus' name. Father, we declare this a house of freedom. A house of freedom. Lord, I just release your healing balm over your people now. From the top of our heads right to the soles of our feet, that healing oil, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I see the Lord coming with, almost like with scissors and just cutting nets off of people. What the enemies, where the enemies try to keep you ensnared, the Spirit of the Lord is setting you free. He's setting you free from oppression. He's setting you free from sickness. He's setting you free from addiction. I feel like there's gonna be some people here where there's gonna be a supernatural deliverance, even today, from things that have held you captive for years. We thank you for it, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you just move among your people now? Would you just breathe in that freedom that is yours? Just take a deep breath of the freedom and the peace that is yours.
I want you to picture yourself moving out from under anything that's held you captive and just running free because of what he did for you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. I'm gonna hand it over to, to Russell now, but we have a ministry team, and if you need further prayer, they would love to pray for you and walk with you. You don't have to leave feeling like, where do I go from here, I'm on my own. You're not, you're not on your own, so lean into the people that, that love you because the Lord has freedom for you. Amen.